Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis. The best interviews. The best coverage. And no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. Welcome the day before Thanksgiving, and uh, we are doing it a little bit early because tomorrow is Thanksgiving. You've got football tomorrow, only two games on the docket as opposed to three. We'll tell you about that coming up here in just a couple of minutes. It is the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's presented by our good friends over there at Bud Light Seltzer. Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Flavors in cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, strawberry flavors as well. Go to BudLight.com. That is BudLight.com for all that they have to offer. Joining us tonight on the panel... Our good friends, Kevin Holden from CBS 58. Kevin, how you doing, pal? And it's all good. It's uh, we're, we're talking football, and I'm about to eat about 48 pounds of turkey. Don't tell Drew <laughs> about that, but I am about to do that. And then there is the uh, the aforementioned uh, also Drew Burgoyne from CBS 58 as well, uh, the workout machine and personal trainer for one, Kevin Holden. Kevin, Drew, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Bill. Good to uh, good to hear from you. Thanks for having me on. Happy Thanksgiving and. I think we got a lot to talk about, don't we? Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. From the fans' perspective, Drew, I'll start there first. Give me your thoughts on the loss coming out of Indianapolis. Bill, I, you know, as a, as a math guy, as a meteorologist, I, I looked up the numbers, and so I learned some things. And number one, out of the three losses that the Packers have had, they have been outscored in the third quarter 35 to nothing. And so I was thinking about that going, first off, if you're going to go anywhere in the playoffs, if that happens, if you don't score a single point in the third quarter, you're probably going to lose. Um, I feel like I've listened to a lot of your show this week. I've heard a lot of people talk about the turnovers and 
the defense being is what it is. And we can go into all that, but I feel like if this offense is going to perform at a high level, then the sky's the limit for this team. But if they're getting out coached at halftime, not scoring points, they're going to be one or done, or they're going to be booted pretty early. I, I, I think it's going to be pretty apparent. Kevin, uh, just coming out of that game on, on Sunday, I mean, obviously they had their issues. Turnovers are always going to kill you, and four turnovers usually guarantees you're not going to win a ball game. So the question we've been asking all week long is, are they a good team that played poorly, or are they a team that uh, they are who we thought they were? Yeah, it's uh, this is one that's that's made me kind of reconsider things. I mean, we we made the joke after the win over Jacksonville that this uh, this win's going to feel good until you look at the film, and then you're going to feel terrible. The uh, the Colts game, uh, I, I, at first, you know, when it first happened, I was like, okay, look, the Packers lost to the Colts on the road in overtime. It was a battle. This isn't something that you should feel that bad about. But as time has gone on, as I've you know sort of gone through the process in my mind of thinking about that game, uh, it keeps getting worse in the sense of there were all the turnovers. And if you look at any one aspect of the game, offense, defense, special teams, you could point to some moments that were not uh, successful team level, not successful playoff team level. Uh, offense, the fumble in overtime is an issue. Other turnovers were an issue. You had the special teams fumble by Shepard. You had you know a defense that was gifted, what was it, 19 holding calls in a row? Or maybe it just felt that way. Yeah, and it felt like still, that. still... Right. And it's still a, a game that had to go to overtime. So I, I don't know. I I'm starting to worry that uh, that that I think a little less of this team based on this game. And maybe again, maybe it's just one game on the road against a good team. But I, I think I've come away with this feeling a little worse about the team. Everything he said, uh, Drew, is correct, and, and you can take it in that direction. You can also look at it from the positive perspective of this team in regulation turned the ball over three times. Yes, it took holding penalties for them to be able to get the ball and be able to take it down and kick a field goal and tie the thing up. However, you usually turn the ball over three times. That's that's the death knell for a team, and instead, instead of giving up touchdowns, the defense in the second half was giving up field goals except for the one touchdown. And then this team still had the wherewithal to be able to battle back, and they put up 31 on a really good good defense. Those are all brighter side of things. How much does that wash with you? Yeah, I mean, I I want to be optimistic. Like I said, I just I just worry about the inconsistency of the offense on this team. I mean, it was rolling. I mean, that arguably was probably you know the best half of football that they you know that they played um, you know this year. And, you know, so there definitely were positives there. I just don't understand, Bill. Is this team getting out coached in the second half? I mean, you look at the losses and you look at the coaches on the other side. I mean, you, you know, obviously, you know, the Colts, you know, coach who's done a good job. You've got Zimmer and then you've got uh, Bruce Arians. I, I, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but, and I, and I love Matt LaFleur, but I think there is a lot of learning, you know, going on. And I feel like uh, at times, they are slow to make those changes. And I don't think, I don't think this team is just coming out of the tunnel going, yeah, okay. We're, you know, we're just going to go through the motions. I don't, I don't feel like that is the case. So um, I just, I, I feel like at times they are behind the eight ball and then they have to pick it up in the fourth quarter. If they would have played the third quarter, like they did the first half, they would have blown that team out. 
And I completely agree. Kevin, he talks about the, the, the coaching. I was going to bring this up later, but since it's it's there on the table now, let's talk about halftime adjustments. It was ugly in Tampa Bay. It was ugly with the ability to stop the run against Dalvin Cook. And offensively, defensively, it was ugly in this contest against Indianapolis. Is this team, the adjustments that are being made, we saw them stick with dime until they almost you know cut their own throat, so to speak, and giving up big, soft gains on third and long. Have we seen this team, this this group of guys, be outcoached, or, or or are we looking at looking at the as Gary Ellison likes to say, the Jimmy and the Joes? <laughs> I, yeah, Gary Gary does have a good phrase for that. I uh, I my thought on it is the Indianapolis example to me was a fairly clear example of a problem going into the second half, like a, like something that can be corrected somewhere along the line in the locker room, maybe, or, or whatever the adjustments coaching something, because it, it was, you mentioned it was offense and defense. I mean, the Colts came out, ran the ball. And, and as you say, you know, when, when you've got this many defensive backs in the game, it's, it's a, a different animal. You can run the ball with success if you're the Colts. And, and, and of course the Packers on offense did not score in the second half until the Mason Crosby field goal, where they absolutely had to score to continue the game. So uh, that that second half is a little bit of a concern to me. I don't I'm not sure I'm ready to call it a trend at this point, but you but you do mention some other places where the second half, the beginning of the second half hasn't been good. This is just the most glaring example to me at this point. So I don't know if it's a if it's a pattern, but I certainly wouldn't want to repeat the way that third quarter and, and really the fourth quarter happened uh, in Indy. Had Peter King on earlier today, Drew, and uh, from NBC and the NFL analyst there. And he blamed it on the offense. He said, look, the defense did what they could. Uh, yes, they couldn't get off the field on third down, but they were giving up field goals, not touchdowns. But when your offense only puts up three points in the second half of a ball game, you're not going to win many games. He put it more on the offense, the inability to run block, the inability to sustain drives. Do you put this loss on the offense? I do. Yeah, I, I do, because this offense is supposed to be head and shoulders better than last year. And, and I think – you know, we saw it right out of the gates when they just absolutely stomped on, you know, the Vikings at the first game of the season. You're like, oh, okay, now this is what this offense is supposed to be, the movement and all that kind of stuff. And I, they're fun to watch. And that's one of the things being a fan. I mean, I, I enjoy it, but um, I agree. I mean, listen, this defense is not – I don't care what the statistics are. It's not a top-ten defense. It's going to get you probably a couple of stops – maybe one turnover, and that's about it. So if the offense can't capitalize off of stops and turnovers, um, I, I think it's it's going to be really tough for them. And, I, and I, I look at the NFC right now, and I look at the Packers, I look at Seattle, you know, the Bucks and the Rams. Quite frankly, right now, I think the Rams are the ones that have kind of leapfrogged and are sitting at the, at the top of the NFC. Do the Packers – are they going to be consistent enough in a playoff game to be able to go back and forth in a type of shootout with a team like Seattle or the Rams or the Bucks? And I'm not seeing it right now. That could change. I mean, maybe things get a little bit more cohesive, but if they're doing the three and out stuff and, and the defense is giving you, you know, something, I mean, even on the turnovers in the first half, my goodness, the defense, I mean, they, they bailed your butt out and, so I, I think it is what it is with the defense. If we're going anywhere, this offense has to be more consistent. 
On that note, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to come back, talk more about this loss against Indianapolis. We'll start to look ahead towards Bears week as well. we got Kevin Holt from CBS 58, Drew Burgoyne the same, joining us tonight on the Bill Michael Settle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. We've got a lot more to get to when we come back. It is Bears week on the Bill Michael Settle. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. on tape i think it's going to be our biggest challenge yet khalil mack is a game wrecker you better know where he's at on every snap you got hicks inside you got robert quinn nichols urban i mean they've got so many players on that defensive line the the linebackers uh trevathan and, and roquan smith are as good as they get that is Matt LaFleur, head coach of the Green Bay Packers, talking about Khalil Mack and the Bears' defense. Uh, they are, no doubt, a championship-style defense. They just don't have an offense to back it up. Welcome back. It's the Bill Michael Huddle, presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Only 100 calories, naturally carbonated, gluten-free, and includes no artificial flavoring. Uh, and tonight on the panel, Kevin Holden from CBS 58 in Milwaukee. Also, Drew Burgoyne, the same. And, Drew, let me get back to... Uh, the uh, the defense versus the offense in this contest against Indianapolis. And I want to get your opinion on this as well. We ended with Drew's. But it, do you look at this more as an offensive failure uh, for what the Packers' offense did not do in the second half of that ball game, uh, Or do you think that the defense, since they just couldn't get off the, off the field, they didn't really give the Packers' offense enough opportunities? I, you know, they definitely were gassed. Um, but – I felt like early in the game, I mean, the third quarter, yeah, I mean, you had mentioned it. Uh, they just got steamrolled and ran, you know, ran right over, you know, uh, I think most people just remember in, in their nightmare watching Preston Smith try to cover Trey Burton and look foolish. Um, so I think, you know, I'm still kind of wondering what's going on. Um, I also wonder too, you know, and I know Kevin King just came back, but I think of Kevin King as a lockdown corner. I, you know, Jair Alexander is a lockdown corner. And I, I feel like with those two cats on the field that, you know, the pass rush, you know, should be better. And I will say this, I, you know, Phillip Rivers, the guy's like a noodle arm. You know, I, it's not, this isn't the same Phillip Rivers in the past. He's not super mobile. I don't understand why they can't get to the quarterback. No, granted, I think the Colts, you know, offensive line obviously played very well and, and showed up, you know, really well in the second half. But at some point, they're going to have to try to manufacture pressure um, because at, at some point uh, they're, they're not going to be able to hold up. I don't know if that answers your question, Bill, but um, those are just a few observations from, you know, what I was watching with the defense. Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. And, Kevin, I'll give you a, a chance to kind of, you know, expound upon that. D- did you look at this more as an offensive failure or a defensive failure? It's The thing about it is, uh, and, and we were talking about this, uh, you know, a little bit in the last segment, uh, you know, the NFL is tough enough when uh, when you're facing these really good defenses. And the Colts, give them credit, that is that is a good defense. It's going to be one of the better ones the Packers face during the year. But if you go through stretches in the same game, where you can put up 28 points and a half, especially that flurry of points right before halftime and all of the good vibes that came out of that, uh, and then struggle as much as you did in the in the second half of the game. I think, I think this is a, a case of, if you have 28 at the half, you may not think that you're going to end up at 56, but you should end up in the 40s. 
And there's no way at all that you should end up at 31. And part of the reason why I'm a little more critical of the offense now uh, is you, this was a, a group that's much closer to the group we expected in terms of the personnel. Alan Lazard was finally back. He may not be 100%, but he's back. Uh, the backfield was, was full and it appears healthy for the, you know, for the first time in a long time. So all of the weapons are there. That's the closest that you'll see to the offense you want to put on the field in January. And to see them put up three points in a second half of a game is, is disappointing. So I, I do. I pin it on them. Um, wanted to ask you guys uh, about the run game. And this is where I go back to the offensive side of things. And, Kevin, I'll come back to you. Uh, Dave Bakhtiari said yesterday on the big show in Milwaukee that he takes and the offensive line takes responsibility for the loss and for all the problems they've had, does this team have the ability against a good defensive front to run the ball consistently in your mind? I still, from what I've seen, if we're talking about this, you know, as a body of work as a whole, I still think it's, I still think that's the case. I think they can have an effective ground game. I think this goes back to the scheme that, that you want uh, Matt LaFleur to put in place. The thing that you saw the 49ers do against the Packers that you were hoping the Packers could then do to other teams. And the reason why, you know, you saw, you know, an A.J. Dillon that came in to uh, to compliment Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. And I think it, for the most part against NFL teams, this is still a team that can do that. I think it's going to be more important. The other thing that I think is going to play in the Packers favor when it comes to the run game and the rest of the year is the fact that they get to test it out in cold weather pretty much from this point forward. Like you're going to you're going to play. Home games, you get the. I'm thinking about late December now, mid late December. You've got the Panthers, you've got the Titans, and then you go to Chicago and play the Bears. So, this is, I mean, an ideal time. This is back when Eddie Lacey was a Packer. This was when we used to say, you know, I'm talking like pre China food Eddie Lacey, mm, like you right. know, when he was still, when he was still <laughs> thin. <laughs> right. um, we, we would say, you know, this is when a guy like Eddie Lacey should take a game over. Well, against the Panthers and hopefully the Titans and the Bears in those last three weeks of the season, this is when Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and maybe A.J. Dillon can take a game over. I think what you see out of them in those three weeks can sort of set the tone for what they could do in the postseason. Um, I'm going to ask you the same thing, Drew. Do you think this team has that ability, specifically as we start to head and turn the corner towards the colder weather, do they have that ability to play that smash mouth, grind it into you up front type of game? Well, Bill, I think we're gonna we're gonna learn about that because with the shuffling again on the offensive line, I mean, I don't, I haven't heard any Lindsley news. It, it didn't look good with him walking gingerly. I mean, it almost looked like he was concussed just the way he was walking. I, that's not what that was. But um, you know, you put in Runyon, who, by the way, I I, I feel like he's probably going to start on that line next year. I, I think he's got yeah. quite the quite the chance, and and that what a great draft pick he was. I, I will give um, you know Gutenkus that, but um, I feel like with um, when uh, Jenkins was in at guard, you know, I mean, he seemed to be you know seems to be more of kind of a mauler and and can you know can move some people. You know, Bakhtiari. I mean, you're you're paying him to to make sure that Aaron is just not getting you know flat out you know flat out killed. So. Um, if they have to shuffle the line a little bit, um, I, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. They've they've got the horses to be able to run. They've got the tight ends. I mean, you've got arguably one of the best blocking tight ends 
um, in the game and Mercedes, you know, Lewis. And I think Tanyan is a guy that can, that can help out. They should be able to, you know, to run the ball and take over, but I don't know about you, but I felt like in some of these games, they maybe abandoned the run just a, a touch too early. And, and then they go to the passing game and, and things just get disjointed. I, I feel like they're going to have to run the football against some of these, some of these good teams, especially if they've got a quarterback that can sling the ball on the other, on the other side. Uh, I think they have the potential, but we'll see how they shuffle the line. Um, it, it may be, it may be answered the next couple of weeks. Kevin, you know, we, we talked about a little bit about A.J. Dillon there, and, and obviously, uh, you know, Aaron Jones is your bell cow. Jamal Williams is uh, kind of the, the, the two and the one-two punch. But on short yardage situations, this team finds themselves, or at least we find themselves, throwing the ball quite a bit. And on short yardage situations, when they have run the ball, they've either given it to Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones. They've not given it to A.J. Dillon. Um, I, I, I guess the question is how, how maddening is it when it's third and one or third and two and they're throwing deep? Uh, or 20 yards or more downfield, or the guy that they drafted that is supposed to be that that north-south guy, um, that they're not using him. And I have said time and again, I've said, look, I kind of get it because they talk about him running behind his pads. And if you're not going to be a big guy running behind your pads, then you're running straight up and it's easier center center of gravity-wise to knock you back. Is it just as simple as that? I mean, I think it is. <laughs> Most of the time, that's that, to me when you're talking about getting short yardage. That's that's what you're looking for. You're looking for, a, a, you know, a body and an attitude. I mean, it's a different kind of skill set, and uh, that's the, one of two things is happening in, in my mind when when it's third or when it's fourth and one, and and you're you're in a situation where you're throwing the ball. Uh, one of two things is happening: either uh, either they just don't trust. AJ Dillon yet either they just don't believe that he's matured to that point as an NFL player or it, or they would have an issue with the with the philosophy of doing that and I just don't think that a Matt LaFleur team would have an issue with that philosophy so I I, I just feel like maybe if we <laughs> could find a way to to rewind time by a year and have AJ Dillon be a second year player I don't know maybe that would help this cause a little bit, but uh, maddening was a really good word. I mean, that again, that third downs are one thing, but that fourth down, I mean, man, mm-hmm. and you're, you're talking about a play where Aaron Rodgers basically had three total reads all on the left side of the field and, and got, got stuck and, and, and couldn't do anything. What a key moment in the game. That's, that's when you want the power. That's when you want that strength in your run game. Uh, let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We've got Kevin Holden and Drew Burgoyne from CBS 58 in Milwaukee. We're talking Packers and Bears, getting ready for that contest upcoming. We'll start to look more forward to that coming back. This portion of the program, the Bill Michael Suttle, presented by Bud Light Seltzer, naturally carbonated, gluten-free, and includes no artificial flavors. Stay tuned. We're going to get more uh, of these guys and myself coming up next on the Bill Michael Suttle. Border to Border, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Um, your deep ball has been really good this year. Is there anything you can put a finger on? I'm so glad you asked that. I've always wanted to say this. Chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> <laughs> As we saw and learned from those great commercials back in the day by the Atlanta Braves pitchers. There you go, little Aaron Rodgers. Throwing in a baseball reference, but nevertheless, chicks digging a long ball. 
Aaron Rodgers did throw that long pass to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We're going to talk about that, and without him, you don't get to overtime, and then obviously the unfortunate fumble. Kevin Holden from CBS 58, Drew Burgoyne alongside from the same. I'm Bill Michaels. We are glad you are on board with us tonight. The Bill Michaels Huddle continues on, brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Let's talk about Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Let's start out with you, Drew, in the sense that uh, do you trust him? Um, I think you have to, and um, I, I think you're going to need you're going to need to go to him um, it, a lot probably over the next you know next several weeks heading into the playoffs. I mean, this is a playoff team. Um, I like him, and by the way, I thought he carried himself so well when people were asking about just the ridiculous death threats. I mean, give me a break, get mm-hmm. a life. You know, I mean, it's just pathetic that people would do that. Um, that's just my personal thing. I uh, thought he handled himself wonderfully. Um, I like him. I, I think he is growing and I think Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers knows what he has in him, much like Aaron Rodgers knew what he had in Devonte Adams, um, several years ago. I remember people asked Rodgers, you know, when Adams just had the dropsies constantly and just fundamentally and Rodgers, while he was critical, you never thought that he was going to be away from him or this is it. And I think the same thing with MVS. I mean, he definitely has emerged as, you know, the number two receiver. I guess if Lazard catches fire, we'll have to see. But I, I think you have to keep feeding him, you know, the ball. Like you said, Bill, without that big pass interference, you know, call where, by the way, that ball hit him right in the numbers, which was mm-hmm. remarkable. And then the big catch you know, you're, you're not even, you're not even competing. So um, yeah, I was frustrated. I felt horrible for him, but I, I think this guy is going to be on this team for a while. Kevin. hundred percent agree with it. I think uh, here's the thing. You one play uh, in, in a big game can be a defining moment. I mean, ask Brandon Bostic, you know, I mean, there's so many examples oh, yeah. down the line and, and I hope that, that this isn't, how people remember MVS, because as you say, in the same game, he made some tremendous plays to get the Packers to this point. So the fact that that fumble happened, yeah, it's unfortunate. And I mean, it breaks your heart to see that happen, but it doesn't make me lose a lot of like long-term confidence. And I do think Aaron Rodgers is the same way that the weight, when he gets that rapport with a receiver, when he has that connection and you can hear it in the way he talks about him, uh, that's, it's such a good thing to see. And it's good for, Everybody involved, good for the team and good for the players. And uh, to me, I think MVS is still in that category. And I think, you know, what Aaron Rodgers envisions, if Alan Lazard can can be healthy and contribute down the line, is Adams and Lazard and MVS as three weapons that are legitimate weapons that defenses have to deal with down the stretch. And he knows that, you know, he's got to be behind this guy, MVS, because if you want him in that position, you can't let this this fumble be the defining thing. So I, I, I'm all right with it. I think they'll still go to him. I don't think it affects their game plan for him at all. Uh, I, I do want to address real quick before we get into the Bears side of things, uh, special teams. And, Kevin, I'll come back to you. Um, special teams usually a direct reflection of the depth that you have on your team. Um, while we know that uh, you know Mason Crosby, for the most part, has been rock solid, punting has been questionable, coverage has been good, uh, albeit the one return, and that was merely for the fact that I think it was a, a line drive punt that really didn't allow the protection to set up. And then you've had drops. You don't have many returns, a lot of fair catches. I Granted, Tyler Irvin's been banged up, but 
you know, that usually is a direct reflection on your depth. So is the depth on this team just not that good? And that's the reason we're seeing just really right now poor uh, play when it comes to special teams. Yeah, I think when you're talking about uh, depth names on the roster, and I, what, what happens to me is I think back. I go back three, four, five, six, seven, eight years, and I think about who's returning punts, returning kicks back then. And you think of the guys like Randall Cobb that were involved in special teams and what a special thing it was to have that. And now, uh, you know, it's it's fallen to Darius Shepard. And by the way, were it not for MVS in this fumble, uh, I think a significant chunk of this conversation that we'd have today would be about Darius Shepard because there were two plays on kickoffs that were major problems. There was the fumble right. on the on the one, and then there was the one where the ball hit the goal line, and thank goodness it hit the goal line. So uh, you've got some issues there, and yeah, I agree. I think a team with better depth changes that person out after after the problems that that Shepard was having because that that's the kind of thing that could get in a guy's head when it starts happening a lot. And, uh, and the fact that there just isn't, there is not another guy that's healthy enough to do that. I, yeah. I think that's significant. And I think it hampers special teams. What is the level of frustration drew right now? Uh, perspective wise, when it comes to, I, I mean, are you holding your breath every time you've got somebody dropping back for a punt or a kick? Yeah. I, I don't understand the decision-making. I, first off, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about, jk scott i don't i'm really concerned when the weather you know is gonna stink you know in about in about mm-hmm. a month and that ball is gonna be rock hard and you know they're gonna come out of that tunnel and you know it's gonna be the the chilly conditions that that we're used to you know up here so uh, i'm i'm concerned with him i you know i tyler Irvin. i mean he can't he can't find the field he keeps getting injured and I, I think it's, it seems to be a turnstile. And as for the other stuff, you know, usually when you see the rash of injuries, you know, with linebackers and all that kind of stuff that impacts, you know, the special teams with the guys that are out there. And it's not like there's been, I guess, a ton, you know, a ton of extra injuries. So I don't know if this, you know, if this coordinator, I mean, they're not going to fire a coordinator during the year. I mean, right. that's going to be something evaluated afterwards, but I, I think I think Menenga, he may be he may be one of the first, you know, coordinators on the chopping block if this continues because they're they're killing themselves with bad field position, bad decision making. And I'll tell you what, if Shepard can't make the right decision, then find another cat, you know, to do it because right. um, they've got some other guys that I'm sure can field a punt. And if he doesn't have to run and just have to it just has to field it then then let them do it but I, I swear some of these balls that have hit and and pushed them back even further uh, that's that's troubling to me uh kevin going back with what drew just stated there when you talk about uh, some of the things that are troubling when you get into coaches um the coaches look i i, I understand that it's you can only work with what you've got uh, and this is only Matt LaFleur's second year into this thing. Do you start to get the sense that just listening to some of the things that Matt LaFleur has said, talking about uh, shoring things up defensively, not playing soft on third down, things on special teams, that there could be possibly some changes come the end of the season? I wouldn't be shocked by it, especially if there's if there's a drop here uh, as the season goes along. Because remember, from this point forward, the Packers play one team with a winning record, the Titans, who are 7-3. and three. The Bears are even right now at five and five. No one else on the remaining schedule has a winning record. So this is a chance 
to uh, maybe I, I won't use the words run the table, but here's a chance for five and one at the very least. And uh, if if that doesn't happen, if they're if they're if the issues continue and it looks like those issues are, are more deep seated and not just one time things. Uh, yeah, I think that absolutely could be the case because it, Matt LaFleur has walked into a situation where uh, it, it is extremely difficult for a new coach uh, because he was 13 and three the first year. And all anybody talked about was how that team wasn't as good as that record indicated. They're seven right. and three now. And I think 12 and four is legitimate for this team. And, and still there, there are warts, there are issues that what, what that's to say is that the expectation is extremely high and, and LaFleur after two years on the job uh, can't sit idly by and let that slip. So yeah, if you're, if you're talking about like if the Packers go three and three down the stretch and they're 10 and six, or they go four and two and they, and they just lay an egg in that first playoff game. Yeah, I think uh, I think they'll have to do some some restructuring depending on what happens. You know, it, obviously you have to figure out what part of your game fell apart. But I, I don't think they walk in with all the same personnel the next year if that happens. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break, and again, we'll start to look towards uh, the uh, Chicago Bears, who have a a championship defense and a craptastic offense. We'll get into that discussion when we come back. Kevin Holt from CBS 58, Drew Burgoyne from CBS 58 in Milwaukee as well, joining us, and we are presented by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. More of the Bill Michaels Huddle coming up next. 16 stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. day to day right now with with Nick and so with him not practicing you know Mitch got all the all the reps today I thought he did a good job it was it was good to see him out there and, and he looked good and the tempo and the rhythm was good but for for Nick that's going to strictly be a day-to-day -day thing right now for us and um, you know that's where that's at welcome back Matt Nagy talking about uh, his quarterback Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, uh, they really don't have a quarterback down there right now. They're both banged up. And uh, Trubisky, I don't even know how he, how he got hurt. I think he got hurt uh, in a drive through line or something. I have no idea. But nevertheless, <laughs> uh, that's, that's kind of the way that season has gone for the, uh, the Chicago Bears. Welcome back to the program. I'm Bill Michaels. The voices you hear, Kevin Holden from CBS 58, Drew Burgoyne from the, the same. Both joining us on the panel tonight in the Bill Michaels Settle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Um, this is a team that, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Drew, they should win this game. The Packers should win this game going away. I mean, I'm just – my biggest – if I'm going to circle what I'm going to watch, it's how this Packers offense responds to yet another good defensive front. Can they move the football? And can they move the football outside of the first quarter in the scripted plays? I, I agree, and I – I'll tell you, I, I watch that Bears defense and I go, oh, my gosh. I mean, could you imagine, you know, the Packers having, you know, three-fourths of that defense? I mean, it would remind me of the 96 Packers, you know, with such a dominant defense and, you know, really good offense. So, um, yeah, no, I definitely want to um, – I want to see, you know, the Packers uh, run the football against, uh, our, you know, a good defensive front. You know, they've got linebackers that can that can fly. I mean, they've got a ton of – you know, a ton of pro bowlers. So – this would be good. This would make me feel a little bit better personally. Um, if the Packers offense can kind of do, do what they need to do uh, to your point, Bill, outside of the scripted and especially after halftime, because I keep harping on that, but I, I really would like to see that. Um, you know, as for, 
who's quarterbacking the Bears. I mean, I, I have no idea, but at some point, our two, you know, bookend pass rushers, and, and Zadarius has been all over the place. Um, you know, I don't know what they're, what they're doing, and you know what, and I could just be totally ignorant, but I don't know what they're doing with Preston Smith. I mean, the fact of the matter is the defense, you know, played all right last year, got, you know, embarrassed completely in the NFC championship game, but they return everybody. You know, it's like you return mm-hmm. everybody. You should be taking a step, you know, ahead. And, you know, they, they've taken, they've taken a step back. And at, at some point, are they going to show us something or is this going to be what, you know, what we can, what we can expect? The, the one guy, by the way, that I want to see on the field more and Mike Pettin, if you're listening, get out of dime and get into nickel a little bit more. Kamal Martin, mm-hmm. I, I think we found one of our inside linebackers for the future. I know we've we talked about inside linebackers and Gutenkins doesn't you know value them and this and that, but I really feel you know that this guy with some experience, he looks the part. I mean, he he just looks it, don't you right. think? I, I do. I like Kamal Martin. I, I'd like to see him be able to be used and utilized uh, a bit more. And, Kevin, uh, when you talk about – now, if they did indeed find a middle linebacker in Kamal Martin, that is a huge, huge find, considering that you passed on – excuse me, a guy like Patrick Queen, uh, who was sitting there when you decided to trade up and take your quarterback for the future. So if you did find Kamal Martin, kudos to them. I would love to see them use him more. But uh, – Drew's right. It seems that seeing Preston drop into coverage more now, not to say he's never done it because he has, but seeing him drop into coverage, see him trying to track down a, a speedy, uh, you know, a tight end uh, and, and, you know, obviously on touchdown passes over the top and he's not getting pressure and such. I would like to see him utilized more in just the pass rush and going back to doing what they did last year. However, I did, I did predicate this at the beginning of the season. I said, look, they're not going to have the same numbers. Those were career numbers for those guys last year. So this is not overwhelmingly surprising that they're not putting up the same numbers as they did last year, you know? Yeah, you're, you're right about that. Although I, the one exception is I wonder if Blake Martinez is looking on right now from a distance and, and just kind of maybe not smirking, but kind of going, yeah, I was more valuable than you guys thought. Right. I, I just, I feel like he turned out to be, the, the, the difference, you know, when you talk about a cog, something that made that wheel run, that, again, when people said about this Packers team, oh, they're not as good as the record indicates. Well, they keep winning games, and there's a reason for it. And I, I, I wonder if the presence of Blake Martinez in the middle did more to win those games than, than, than we thought because, I, you know, the Christian Kirksey group here, this, this group that we've had this year, uh, that we've seen for the Packers has not been at that same level. And, and again, if Kamal Martin can fill that role, man, get in and go because uh, it's, it's absolutely essential. Yeah. I I'm with you. I also think it's interesting because if you remember the start of last year, the first game of last year was a win in Chicago and it was a dominant defensive performance. And Aaron Rodgers walked into the room and smiled, said into the microphone, we have a defense again. And there mm-hmm. was this, this hard-nosed, tough feel to it. And Mike Pettin was hard-nosed and tough. And, and like, where did all of that go? I mean, that you, right. most of the same people are there, but not only are the stats not there, I feel like that grit, that, like, snarling grit is just not – it doesn't exist in this year's defense. That's weird to me. Does it seem, Drew, when, when you talk about that grit is not there, does it seem like they are frustrated? 
Oh, I think so. And I think they're tired of people ripping on them um, about their, their run defense because it's atrocious. It's awful. Um, you know, it's not wrapping people up. And then, you know, when they do get pressure and, and the quarterback escaping and it's like they're there and they just don't, you know, they just don't make the play. I feel like last year, at least at the start, the offense kind of relied on the defense a lot and said, we need to pick it up. And, and this year, um, while the defense has made stops, I mean, the offense definitely is going to, um, is going to carry this team. Um, I love Kenny Clark. I'm, I'm glad they signed him. I mean, he made, you know, he made career, you know, career money. Um, and I don't know if the injury is still impacting him. I don't know. I am just, you know, I'm just speculating, but, um, I want to I want to see him, you know, get up the field. But I also feel too that I mean these teams are running right at ninety one. They, they are running at him every single time, and I don't know if they're just not setting the edge or if they're just blowing, you know, blowing him up. But it's got to change. And I and like I said earlier, I, I think you can't just be in dime all the time because any team that's got a decent running back, a decent offensive line is just going to pound you between the tackles and you're just not going to be able to stop it. So uh, unless they stop somebody and the true test, I think we all know when you circle the, the calendar coming up is um, you know, when they play the Titans, you know, with Derrick Henry, right. Let, let's, let's see what you can do against that guy because um, that to me, uh, there, there's your true bell cow. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get back more into the matchup coming up. On Sunday night, Packers going to be in prime time taking on the Chicago Bears. A rivalry week going on right now, and I know it's a goofy, disjointed week. You've got tomorrow night's game between the Steelers and the Ravens. That has been uh, postponed until coming up on uh, on Sunday as well because it was supposed to be tomorrow night, but COVID has hit the Baltimore Ravens, so they had to push this game back a little bit. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back. We've got a lot more to get to, another hour to get to, plus we'll start to roll around the rest of the NFL, including tomorrow's game on Thanksgiving Day. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Huddle. Now another hour yet to go, coming up right after this. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis. The best interviews. The best coverage. And no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. 
Sunday is going to mark number 201 in the NFL's oldest rivalry. The Packers have a 99-95-6 edge in the series. That includes a couple of playoff games, and Green Bay has won 10 of the last 12 meetings against the Bears at Lambeau Field. The Packers have outscored Chicago 320 to 170 in the last 12 home games. Welcome back. Uh, it is the uh, Bill Michaels Huddle. It's presented by our good friends over there at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Go to BudLight.com for all the information. Kevin Holden from CBS 58 and Drew Burgoyne, CBS 58, joining us tonight on the panel as well. And, guys, rivalry week. So the Packers should be favored in this one, rightfully so. Their offense is better. You go by the quarterback play. Even though the Bears' defense is very good, I still say the Packers should win. But is this because it is a rivalry game? Is this a throw the uh, throw the record books out of the window game, or is this where the Packers uh, should just kind of kind of roll their helmets out, do their thing, walk away with a win, and call it a day? And I'll start with you first and foremost, Drew. No, I, I at this point, I don't think this Packer team can roll out the helmets and roll out the barrel and roll out whatever they want. I I, I think that this is a really good defense and. The Packers, they've got a lot to accomplish, you know, to clean things up, right? Uh, <laughs> they've got a lot, a lot to do over the next month. You know, Bill, you always say it, right? You got to get hot. You got to be healthy. You got to be lucky to roll into the playoffs. And you're absolutely right. And they, they need to get, they need to get on a roll. They were on a roll before the bye week, stumbled out of the bye week. You know, and they've just kind of been, kind of been up and down. Um, I would expect that, you know, this offense is going to take the test to face a really good bears defense. I don't know who's going to quarterback for the bears. We, we ran some video the other day on CBS 58, um, of some penguins walking out on uh, Soldier field. <laughs> I was thinking maybe, maybe one of those jokers would, uh, would be out there throwing the ball. I don't know, but no, I, I don't think this Packer team can, can just show up and, um, rivalry aside, they have to take care of business. Kevin, uh, Aaron Rodgers, 19-5 and five against the Bears. And the one other game that he did, the one game he did lose out of that those five was the game in which he broke his collarbone. Shea McClellan threw him to the ground. Do they even uh, come close to losing this ballgame, in your opinion? No, I, I think the one concern that you have, if, if there is a concern, if you see a scenario that would be concerning, it's that the Bears would just enter Lambeau Field just an angry, angry bunch. The losing streak the fact that they had success in the first part of the season, the fact that people, you know, said, well, they're not as good as their record indicates. And now they, their record is more reflective of, of what they are in general as a team. You know, I think, you know, if there's a lot of teams circle the Packers on their schedule as, as something that resembles a playoff game, even if it's not a playoff game. And for the bears at this moment, this game is a definer for their season. You win it and you've got big momentum for the last five weeks. If you lose it, you're now five and six. And and I can't imagine that eventually translating to a playoff spot in a very crowded playoff picture in the NFC. So it, they there's the one scenario that, that they come in angry enough that they play way beyond their means. Now, I'm a realist when it comes to this. I don't think that's happening. I think I think the Packers handle their their business pretty, pretty easily in this one, because, again, the Bears offensively just they don't this is get healthy time for the Packers defense. The Bears offense is just it's just bad. Since Matt LaFleur took over, they are ten and two at Lambeau Field. How much 
does Lambeau Field's home field advantage mean this week without really fa- – other than family and friends, uh, how much does it mean this weekend, if anything at all, Drew? I don't – I mean, other than sleeping in your own bed, I don't I don't think it means much. They haven't really looked good at home. And, it, and it's sad as a fan to not see anybody there. It's sad for the city of Green Bay when it comes to um, – you know, football Sundays and, and for, and it's, it's just, it's COVID and it it sucks. And um, it is what it is. That's that, you know, we all know that, but there's, for some reason, there's some disconnect about the Packers getting up, you know, for these games at home. And I don't know if it's just a mental thing where they don't have the rowdy crowd and, you know, and all, you know, all the stuff that they're, that they're used to, but, you know, Bill, I, I don't know. I mean, I in a way, there's part of me, and I know you've discussed this before, you know, on your show, but I I don't know if it would be necessarily a terrible thing if they had to go on the road in the playoffs, especially in a in a dome or a better climate, just because their offense performs better. Um, so I don't know. They've got to figure this out. They gotta play better at home. And I don't know how they do it. If there's a couple of things I'm circling, Kevin, it's one, like he had just mentioned, uh, Drew just mentioned, they've come out flat at home. So we've seen that. And then the second part of that is the fact that, uh, you know, obviously not getting up for games, we'll say, and then going on the road, playing in front of fans, and then coming back home and not having that, quote, energy or that not, not having that, uh, that, that, that feel, uh, as we've heard from them time and again. Between that and circling the trenches offensively and defensively, those are the two things that really concern me about this game. Other than that, I think the Packers should win this ball game. But how concerned are you with no no fans in the stands that the Packers are going to come out flat? Think about what what this game would normally be in in a, in 2019 or any other year that's not a pandemic year. Sunday night football, Packers and Bears for the 200th time, Lambeau Field. We'd be talking all week about Charles Martin. We'd be talking about you know all the different hits that have happened between these teams. We would be uh, that place would be as loud as it would be for any regular season game. It would be prime time, and the adrenaline would absolutely pump. I mean, look, I've never played an NFL game, but they will tell you, players will, that that the adrenaline will pump in a situation like that. That's pump. It's it's big, and uh, mm-hmm. they uh, they don't have it, and and so it's just it's Sunday night. I mean, you know, you you've been at Lambeau, Bill. It's it's right. it's like watching a glorified practice. Just they even even the PA system makes the best attempts. You know, they 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 play uh, bang on the drum after a touchdown, but they only play it for a few seconds. Like they they try to make it as close to this, uh, you know, the the true game day experience as possible. But it's just not the same. I you know, this is. I think the best year in the NFL to be a visiting team. I don't know if it's going to help the Bears win this game, but it's it makes it a little tougher because that there is some home field advantage that does not exist. Dating back to 2019, the Packers are 10 and two at home during the regular season. That puts them tops with the home record, albeit they just got just beat up at home by Dalvin Cook and company because they were able to run the football. But, Drew, there's no way in hell with this offensive line of the Chicago Bears not knowing who you're going to have a quarterback. Montgomery's not that great of a running back to begin with. There's no way in hell that I'm worried about the run in this game. Are you? I shouldn't be. But, (laughs) listen, um, it just depends depends on what the Packers want to do, you know? I mean, if they're going to – 
you know, and they've got some good receivers, you know, uh, the bears do. So, you know, I don't know if they're going to be, you know, in more of that dime look, and maybe there's going to be, maybe there's going to be an opportunity. I mean, you would think that the Packers are going to, you know, um, are going to try to put some pressure on whoever is back there. Like you said, I don't, I don't know how Mitch injured his shoulder or, or what. I mean, I don't, I have no idea. You know, the only thing that goes for him if he does play is he's got some wheels and he can extend the play a little bit, but the quarterback play, you know, for the bears is, is awful. The offensive line is not, is not great. And if you listen to Chicago sports fans, they say the same thing year in and year out, they get all these, these other weapons, they build the defense, but the offensive line continues to be, you know, just a, just a train wreck. So I, I would imagine, you know, the, the Packers uh, pass rush gets, you know, gets a little elixir this week and, uh, and they can shut some things down. There's one nod we're going to give to the Green Bay Packers when we come back, and I'll tell you what that nod is. Among many, but one that I think is always, when you talk about a matchup, is always key. Uh, And uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. This is uh, brought to you by our good friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Brewed with that unique five-step filtration process, ensuring a cleaner finish. No lingering aftertaste. Only 100 calories. More of the Bill Michaels Huddle coming up after this. Wisconsin wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. You look at the fumble snap, that's something that we have not had a problem with. Marquez was straining to break a tackle or whatever and got a little loose with the ball. And then same thing happened with Chef on the kickoff return. So we've got to be mindful of that. I think our ball carriers, by and large, do a pretty good job of carrying the football and covering up in traffic. And we know we're going to have to do that again this week. When you watch the Bears tape, that defense is more than capable of getting the ball out of your hand, whether it's you know picking them off or, or uh, punching balls out. Welcome back. Those are the words of Matt LaFleur of your Green Bay Packers. Glad to have you back. Bill Michaels, Huddle, we continue on. If you want to chime in, feel free to go ahead and do so. We appreciate you hanging out with us today. This is all brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Bud Light Seltzer is uh, unquestionably good. And don't forget, four different flavors, cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, and strawberry flavors. Go to BudLight.com. Kevin Holden from CBS 58 alongside Drew Burgoyne from CBS 58 as well. He's talking about uh, Matt LaFleur and turnovers and such. And, and Kevin, let me start with you. Uh, this matchup against the Bears, the only thing I can see derailing this would be turnovers. Anything else that you could see that you could say, okay, this is what the Bears do extremely well. I mean, granted, defensively, they're a good team. But I would expect that the, the Packers, one, should be able to move the football via the pass, and two, as long as they don't turn it over, they should win this game. And I'm not going to say going away, but they should win this game. Yeah, you're, I think that you got that one right. I mean, there's two things that, uh, that really good defenses can do. They can disrupt an offense and, and hold the yardage totals down, and they can create turnovers. And I think the Packers are good enough that the yards will be there so they just have to make sure the turnovers aren't. The only thing maybe that's working against them in that time frame of the last couple of weeks is that turnovers have been a bit of an issue. But I also feel that's really going to be a huge point in practice that will be driven home. I think they'll be, they will be uh, focused more for this game than others in terms of trying not to turn the ball over as much. They want to hang on to the football. Uh, that by itself is about the Bears' best chance in a game like this. Uh, I mean, unless you're talking just all kinds of flukes everywhere, I just I, I feel 
about as confident in this game as I felt in one. I mean, outside of like the Jaguars, this is about as confident as I've been uh, for the Packers to win a game. And Drew, like I said, I don't think there's any reason the Packers, uh, other than turnovers, would lose this game. Matt LaFleur alluding to it, you're going to turn the ball over three, four times in a game. Chances are you're going to lose a ball game. I think even then the Packers could probably overcome because I don't think offensively they, they being the Chicago Bears, have the same type of offense even that Indianapolis has. I don't think they have the same weapons. I think that they can do some damage. But for the most part, I think this is a Packers team that should win this game. You know, I'm not going to say handily because I think it feels wrong in a rivalry game, but I, they should win this game, and I don't think there's many excuses why they wouldn't. No, and they need to. You know, I think fans, after seeing the debacle last week, and saying, okay, listen – we want to believe, you know, we, we want to believe we're more than a one win or two win, you know, playoff team. And you should beat this team. I think the line's like eight or eight and a half or something like that. I mean, yeah, you should. I, they don't they don't have a real starting quarterback, even with Nick Foles. Uh, Bears wasted a lot of money on that. They bungled that quarterback position uh, ridiculously over the last over the last several years. I mean, because the McCaskies are still still in charge, that's why, you know, those clowns in the front office still have jobs because they they move like icebergs, right. you know, within that organization. But no, I I, I want to see the Packers stop the run. I want to see us be more consistent, you know, offensively, be able to move the ball and get into the fourth quarter with a lead and start running the football, controlling the clock. And, you know, and moving on, I mean, you look at the rest of the schedule, you play Chicago twice, you play the Eagles, you play Detroit, you know, the only team on there, as I mentioned earlier, the Titans that I want to see a quality win. The Packers have one quality win this year. That's the Saints. And that was Mm -hmm. really early in the year. Um, So we want to see more consistency in December. That's the money time. That's that's when the money is on the table. And uh, so they, they should be able to take care of them. I, I don't really see a circumstance where they completely, um, you know, lose this game. I just don't. So, Kevin, the one thing that I mentioned before we went to break uh, regarding this team is I really believe that when Matt Nagy tries to be the smartest guy in the room, he ultimately shoots his team in the foot. I, he's done it time and again. We've watched him do it. Uh, to me, even even if you don't like the adjustments or the lack of adjustments that Matt LaFleur and company bring to the table in the second half of ballgame specifically, I still think they're a better coaching staff than what the Bears have to offer just because the Bears have consistently, time and again, been obstinate when it comes to the way they run their offense. Do you agree? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good assessment of it. And, and what it's led to is this, this very interesting um, sequence of years by, by the Bears offensively, which is to say if, if we rewound a conversation and you and I were talking about the Bears offense in 2018 and we rewound it some more and we were talking about the Bears offense in 2016 or 2015, I feel like there, there has been literally no movement whatsoever. And the biggest moves that have, have happened there to try to change things on offense have been to draft Trubisky, which is – it's one of those haunting moves. It, it, there's the difference between the Packers hitting on these back-to-back quarterbacks and the Bears having to watch Mahomes and Watson play elsewhere uh, when, when they know that could have been a possibility. Uh, and, and then bringing in Nick Foles, which, okay, he's won a Super Bowl. He, but, but he didn't win the Super Bowl. This is a group of guys that won the Super Bowl, of which he was the quarterback in that moment. So 
if those are, are your biggest moves that, that you have to, to, you know, get something going on offense, everybody else has just felt like a revolving door. It's just gone, you know, in and through and whatever. So it's like, if you, if you are good enough to beat the bears offense in 2020, yeah, we're having what is going on. <laughs> you get me anywhere near utensils. That's what happens. What right are you there. in Santa's workshop for God's <laughs> sakes? <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to cut up a pork chop and uh, oh god gotcha. that's not a good okay. idea. Yeah. It, it got I, I got a finger chop is what I got. Um, oh, there you so, go. Well, yeah. if we hear the nine one one ambulance pulling up, we'll yeah. know what happened. <laughs> I've had enough of those. Right? Uh, yeah. You, I mean, you know, for the for the Bears, it's like you know, if you if you're going to beat this offense in this year, you can beat them in any of the last ten years. How about that? Um, two guys on this Bears team that really, I think, bother me. And, and first is the speed of Corderell Patterson and what he brings to the table, not only as a wideout, but uh, as a guy that they use as a jet sweep guy, a guy that they use in kick returns. So that's one. The other one that's had a kind of a resurgence and that might have circled this game, Drew, Jimmy Graham has been a go-to guy specifically in the red zone for the Chicago Bears and a guy that's been able to move the sticks for them. And we know the Packers don't cover the tight end real well. Which of those two guys bother you the most? Um, probably Patterson just because um, because they can use him, you know, in so many different ways, especially on kickoffs. And, um, and gosh, you know, the Bears, you look at the Bears and – some of the folks they've had on special teams, you know, think back Devin Hester and, you know, Patterson and some of these guys, it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, the Packers, mm-hmm. what we would give to have, you always bring them up, Bill, you know, the Alan Rossum, you know, uh, someone right. like that, you know, there, but um, I guess the good part about Jimmy Graham is the Packers, the Packers know, you know, Jimmy Graham and clearly they, they know what a waste of money Jimmy Graham was for, for two years. And, I know he's a great locker room guy and, you know, best friends with everybody. I mean, that's all nice and great, but, um, but you know, that turned out to be kind of a disaster. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like you got to have a quarterback to, you know, to get him the ball. And if the Packers can get some pressure on, you know, whoever the quarterback is back there, um, you know, I think maybe Patterson could be more of an X factor. Drew. Which one of those two guys, Cordero Patterson or Jimmy Graham, um, kind of scares you the most? Kevin, is that you? Are, are you are you going to answer that no. one, Kevin? Yeah, I'm good. I, okay. I have fingers. I have all, all ten good, fingers. Good, good, good. There you go. Uh, I I really do like if you're talking about a bear that's uh, that's motivated, the most motivated in my mind would be Jimmy Graham. I, who knows if it'll actually translate to something? But if you see him, you could see that he's been better as a bear that certainly than he was as a green Bay Packer. And I'm sure he's got a little something to prove. So yeah, if there's, if there's one guy that, that has that ability to play out of his mind and, and do some things uh, that might be him, maybe Graham. Uh, let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll start looking around the rest of the NFL. we got games on the docket tomorrow. One game that's been uh, postponed until they can wrap their arms around uh, the, the COVID situation. That is in Baltimore. We'll get into that discussion as well. But uh, we are uh, tonight uh, bringing our, ourselves to you this night before Thanksgiving. Hopefully everybody has a great Thanksgiving out there. This portion is brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good, naturally carbonated, gluten-free, and includes no artificial flavors. This is the Bill Michaels Huddle. You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
no matter the, the records. Uh, I mean, it's, it's exactly how the fans feel. It's Packers-Bears. <laughs> so ever since I was a rookie, there would always be these plaques that just said Bears Week. It, it's a different tone, you know, especially these these division games and particularly with the Bears. So I've never once really looked at their record when we go to playing them because I know uh, we're going to get their best shot. There you go, David Bakhtiari on uh, the big show out of Milwaukee, our flagship station, 1250 AM, talking about uh, the rivalry that is the Packers and the Bears. It is rivalry week. Packers and Bears coming up on Sunday night, Sunday night football on NBC. 720 will be the kickoff at Lambeau Field. Welcome back to the program. We are brought to you by our good friends at uh, Bud Light Seltzer. Uh, unquestionably good. Five-step filtration process ensures a cleaner finish and no lingering aftertaste, only 100 calories. Kevin Holden from CBS 58 in Milwaukee. Drew Burgoyne, the same, joining us uh, tonight uh, on the panel as we start to look around the rest of the National Football League. And tomorrow we got a couple of games that are absolutely positively craptastic, as they say. Uh, you've got uh, between these teams, between these teams, you have got 13 wins between four teams playing tomorrow on on television. Now we'll take football because it's football, but nevertheless, you've got two games tomorrow, not three, by the way, for those tuning in, because uh, that other game that was going to be taking place between the Steelers and uh, and the Baltimore Ravens that has been put off until Sunday. That is a, a noon kickoff uh, Central Time on Sunday because of COVID in Baltimore in their organization. So we start off with the Texans at three and seven going on the road against the Lions who are at four and six. As much as I like Deshaun Watson, the Lions blanked last week. Uh, I, I guys, I don't even just because I like Deshaun Watson, I'm going to, I'm going to take the Texans. I, maybe it's wishful thinking or something to that effect, but this is a bad game. And just because I'm going to take the better quarterback of the two. So I'm going to go with Deshaun Watson and the Texans, Kevin. Uh, the Lions playing bad football on Thanksgiving is like top three traditions now uh, in, in my life. Uh, apparently, apparently trying to count my fingers after, you know, utensil accidents is going to be number four if I don't watch it. But uh, but yeah, the, the Lions just laying down on Thanksgiving Day is a, is a tradition. They're going to do it again. Texans win. Drew? Yeah, yeah. Detroit, Detroit's a mess. Houston's a mess. Uh, yeah, I, I'll go with I'll go with the X factor there with. Um, with Deshaun Watson, but um, you know the game that we all wanted—the night game—that's the one that everyone was like, "Yes, this will resurrect the dumpster fire of earlier in the day." You know, where you want to get sick and just sleep after eating so much, um, and that's gone. So, uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go Houston in a in a snoozer. Houston with the the better of all players, I guess. Uh, then you've got uh, the three and seven football team from Washington. And the three and seven Cowboys after uh, Mike McCarthy did his best Gallagher impersonation. Now, the one thing to remember is their strength and conditioning coach did fall ill and had to be rushed to the hospital the other day. So they have that Paul kind of hanging over the team as of right now. But he passed uh, Dallas away, Cow- I believe, Bill. Uh, did he end up passing away? I wasn't positive. I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't want to say out of turn, so I wouldn't. Okay, yeah. Sam is telling me he did pass away. So they. It was a. I think it was a cardiac incident, is what they called it. In other words, oh, a heart attack, terrible. but he just passed away a couple of hours ago, and I wasn't certain of it, but uh, Sam is telling me that is true. So the uh, the tragedy that is their uh, strength and conditioning coach having a heart attack and then uh, passing away today, just hours ago, um, I don't – I hate to pick a game and put anything like that on the game. Um, you're either going to rally and play four or it's going to be a lot to overcome and, and it's going to be tough. 
I'm just going to say, because I believe the Cowboys have better talent, I'm going to take the Cowboys to get the win come Sunday when they take on Washington. Drew, I'll go back over to you. Yeah, I um, I was impressed with, um, you know, being able to beat the Vikings. I, you know, the Vikings were putting things together. It seemed like the last couple of weeks started to improve. So that was, I thought that was a bigger win. So I'll, I'll go with Dallas. Kevin? I, uh, I, I've got to say, and, and uh, I hope that it's not out of line to just stick a little stroke of humor right here, but uh, uh, Mike McCarthy going Gallagher on watermelons before last week's game right? is amazing. Like, what can you imagine what would have happened in Wisconsin if McCarthy had done that and let the cameras film it? Oh, it would have been, yeah. Well, here's the thing. If early Mike McCarthy would have done it, that's one thing. But Mike McCarthy in the last couple of years of his duration here, that would have been made into some kind of a comical joke. And his his efforts to inspire his team would have fallen upon, I think, just because of the leadership, would have fallen upon deaf ears. Yeah. He would have almost become a punchline. Why did he do it? I didn't read. I just I heard it. Um, well, they had the objectives. They had objectives, and one of the objectives was to stop Dalvin Cook. So what he did was he started going over the objectives, and all the objectives were listed and labeled on all of these watermelons. And the very last one had a picture of Dalvin Cook on it. And then one of the other uh, you know defensive players stood up, and they said, "No, coach, let me do it." And then they started smashing stuff, and they had wa- he had watermelon and moisture and stuff all over his pants, and yeah, it was it was kind of a crazy scene. But it's one of those they called it a team bonding moment. It uh, it worked <laughs> out, uh, and, and again, I, you know, uh, obviously it's it's going to be more somber for them. But but I agree with you. I think Dallas is that talent is going to start resurfacing here, and I think they win this game. Kevin or uh, Drew? Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely, I, I think, I think Dallas takes care of business, and I, I like their momentum that they had from last week. Then you got the uh, the Falcons at three and seven. They are hosting on Sunday. The Raiders come a call, and the Raiders just went toe to toe with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Raiders are an underrated team. Uh, it's not that they're ready to, to to win deep into the postseason, but I think that they're good enough to get by a bad Falcons team. I'm going to pick the Raiders on the road to knock off the Falcons. Drew. Yeah, I you know what? I this Raiders team, you give it another year or two and and I think you're going to see them uh right up there with, you know, with the Chiefs battling uh, you know, for for first place in that division. I I like um I like them in this. Atlanta's, I mean, that's that's just a team that's been going nowhere. Kevin, that is a uh a Raiders team that's no longer a punchline and I think they proved it on on national national TV uh against the Chiefs. Raiders win this thing, the Falcons, man. Woo, man, that is that's a legitimate mess in Atlanta right there. I think that yep. that anybody in the league could probably beat the Falcons right now. You got the Chargers three and seven going across the country to the upper portion of the East Coast. That is the uh, Buffalo Bills. Bills, a, a solid team, sitting at seven and three. I think it's somewhat of a no-brainer. As much as I like Justin Herbert, that defense isn't enough to hold down the Buffalo Bills, specifically in in cooler and clement weather. I'm going to take the Bills at home in this contest, Kevin. Yeah, Josh Allen uh, has been, I think, impressive at the, in the times that he's needed to this year. 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions, Buffalo wins it big. Buffalo's Drew. thinking, you know what? Yeah, this, this, could be, this could be our division, you know, for the, next, for the next several years, which is crazy to think. Yeah, I think, I think Buffalo takes care of business. They've got, they've got bigger, uh, bigger goals in mind. Uh, you've got the Giants at 3-7 and seven on the road in Cincinnati without Joe Burrow, who had that knee destroyed last week. Uh, the Bengals sitting at 2-7-1. and one. 
they're not a good football team by any stretch. The Giants still can come in, get themselves a win, and get out of Cincinnati. Uh, I'm taking uh, the Giants on the road to get a win in the Queen City. Drew? Yeah, I, I like the Giants as well. I mean, this is uh, an unwatchable game, and uh, the only way you're watching is if you had a couple of fantasy players. That's about it. Yeah. So I'll I'll go with the Giants. Kevin? <laughs> yeah, I do have a couple of Bengals fantasy players, which means I just waved the white flag on an entire fantasy season. So, yeah, it's Giants <laughs> all the way. <laughs> you got a good matchup between these two teams, the 7-3 and three Titans on the road taking on the 7-3 and three Colts who just knocked off. The, uh, the the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I like the Titans. The Colts just just beat the Titans uh, a couple of weeks ago, so these two teams are now facing off yet again, this time in Indianapolis. As much as I want to say the Titans are going to get the win in this one because they're going to try to extract some revenge, I like what the Colts are doing, and I think the Colts can do just enough to get the win, and I also will take the defense and the quarterback over the defense and the running back in Tennessee. I'm taking the Colts to get a win at home. Kevin? Man, the thing is, Derrick Henry's already a thousand yard rusher right now. He's got a thousand yards mm-hmm. on the ground this year. And the Titans, I, I feel like this is one of those something to prove kind of games. They've been good, and I think they're looking for some some respect beyond just their division. I'm going to go Titans in this one. Drew? Yeah, yeah, I like the Titans as well. And looking back over Indianapolis, you know, I know their defense coming to the Packers was rated, you know, pretty well, but they give up a lot of points. You know, if you look at a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of their games into some bad teams, so I, I like uh, I like Tennessee coming in with a win. The seven and three Browns have a chance to get their eighth win of the season. At the very worst, break five hundred. They take on the one and nine Jacksonville Jaguars on the road. I'm going to take the Browns. I can't believe I'm doing it again, but I won last week with them. I'm going to win again this week with them. Uh, I'm going to take the Browns, Drew. Yeah, I, I am too, and I, I I will give a lot of credit to Jacksonville. They haven't quit. You know, I felt like they've they've been doing, you know, admirably, con, you know, considering their record. But, yeah, the Browns, Browns are rolling right now. Kevin? You want the most upside-down 2020 thing ever? Like the, the furthest proof that we are living in an alternate universe? The Giants are six-point favorites, and the Browns are six-and-a-half-point favorites right. on the road. Both of them are on the road. I right. mean, yeah. can't not pick the Browns right now. They're fun to watch. Uh, let's do this uh, one more before we take a quick break. You got the Panthers sitting at four and seven. The Vikings, who got beat last week by Mike McCarthy's Dallas Cowboys, licking their wounds. Uh, I just don't think the Panthers have enough, and I think the Vikings are going to rebound a little bit, even though I'm not wishing them to. But they were a team a little bit on the roll before uh, before Dallas came to town. I'm going to take the Vikings to rebound back at home in this one, uh, Kevin. Yeah, it's the the thing about the Vikings is as much as as you want to, you know, pick at and find the the warts and you have this losing record and so on, they should be better than this. And I think they are better than this. And this is a game where I think they'll show it. I think it'll be a a pretty convincing Vikings win. Drew? Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if McCaffrey's back or not. It it seems like uh, it seems like the story each, you know, each week. But um, yeah, the Vikings are three and a half point favorites. That, That sounds about right to me. Let's do this. We're going to go and take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll uh, kind of wrap things up. The Bill Michael Huddle brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer and Questionably Good continues on. Got Drew Burgoyne from CBS 58, Kevin Holden the same. We got a lot more. One more segment coming up right after this. Border to Border, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
I, I think the biggest thing, number one, we all know about the rivalry and how, you know, what it means to, to our organization and what it means, you know, in the NFL history, that this, this type of rivalry that we have in front of us. Obviously, since I've been here, we're in a position where we've won one out of three, and we know we need to change that. Welcome back. Glad to have you, Matt Nagy, on the 5-5 five and five record in the rivalry. Hopefully uh, you're enjoying the evening. Packers getting ready to take on the rival Chicago Bears. That is coming up this Sunday night. Don't forget, not a day game, but a Sunday night game. Uh, we continue on as we continue to take a look around the rest of the NFL and continue to make picks. Uh, you've got a team. This is almost a pick em, uh, as a matter of fact. The Cardinals are a good football team. They're on the road. They're going in. They're 6-4 and four going into the 4-6 and six Patriots. The Patriots, I, I, I'm – no believer at all in what the Patriots are, and I'm, I'm even less of a believer in Cam Newton as a quarterback. I think uh, he has basically been exposed this year as to what everybody thought he was. Yeah, this has all come to fruition. And uh, I, I really like Kyler Murray. I like the fact that they've got a good downfield passing game. Their defense has come along. I'm taking the Cardinals traveling into Gillette to knock off the Patriots, Kevin. Man, I, you know what? When I mentioned 2020 being upside down and I talked about the Browns being a six-and-a-half-point favorite, right? how did I not mention the Cardinals being a two-point favorite at New England? Like, what world do we live in? Uh, it's And, and honestly, uh, Arizona's my pick. I, I think you hit it on the head. At this moment right now, I, I don't trust New England to beat the majority of teams in the league. I, don't, I was shocked that I would say that again in my lifetime, but here we are. I, I don't know if New England has the horses, but I do feel like if there's any coach out there defensively, you know, that can, you know, scheme for a younger quarterback, I, I think it could be Belichick. So I'm going to take the Pats at home and not because of Scam Newton. <laughs> Scam Newton, I like that. The 6-4 <laughs> and four Dolphins as the Jets try to find their first win of the season, this time in the division. Still not going to happen. They suck. Uh, that's the easiest way to put it. Uh, the Jets will not get a win. The Dolphins will. And the Dolphins are going to go up to New York and uh, and hand the Jets their 11th straight loss of the season. Kevin, back to you. Dolphins all the way, without a question. It is it is crazy the difference in talent level between these two teams at this moment. Tua's done a tremendous job. Dolphins all the way. Yep. Tua, uh, although Tua got benched, though, but, it, you know, that they're debating whether or not that was the good move or the right move in all of this. I still think the Dolphins are a good enough team, Drew. Yeah, I mean, if it's Fitzpatrick in there, I mean, the magic beard or whatever, yeah, they, they roll the Jets. Uh, then you got the Ravens. This game rescheduled. The Ravens on the road taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh has yet to lose. The Ravens sitting at 6-4. and four. This is a must-win for Lamar Jackson. They have lost three out of their last four, and they are in somewhat of a free fall right now. The Steelers looking to just kind of put the stamp of approval on this division. I'm taking the Steelers at home at Heinz. Drew? I don't believe – I'm not a Lamar Jackson believer, and uh, I just – you know, I, I think he's good. He's not great. And um, I like Pittsburgh to keep it rolling. I think they've got their number. Kevin? It's yeah, it's Pittsburgh. I just I'm surprised by the struggles of Baltimore. I thought they would be better than this. And and the Steelers can, like you say, this is this is the rare chance in week 12 to just put a hammer on things and, and then get healthy for the playoffs. It's it's time they're going to win it. 
Then the Saints, uh, another Taysom Hill start, 8-2 uh, and two on the season going into Denver, taking on the Broncos, sitting at 4-6. and six. I've not looked at the weather forecast, but I would imagine if even if it's nasty, Taysom Hill can probably run as much as Kamara and run over that uh, Broncos uh, defense, although that defense is much, much more solid than the offense is. I still think that with additional weapons, they're going to be uh, okay, the Saints are. I'll pick the Saints to get the win in Denver, uh, and Denver goes to then 4-7. and seven. The Saints will then be 9-2 and two on the season, and they will still be the top leader in the NFC. Uh, Kevin? Yeah, it's good. It's 40 and sunny. I looked it up uh, Sunday, so no no worries at all for, for the Saints. They're, they're not going to be that much out of out of their element there, and it's uh, the Broncos are, as a franchise, have been reeling. Their last playoff appearance was Super Bowl 50. It's been that mm-hmm. long. It's, uh, yeah. New Orleans wins this pretty easily. Drew? Yeah, they bought they bought the Super Bowl and have been kind of in free fall ever since. Yeah, I like I like New Orleans on the road. Then you got uh, San Francisco on the road, heading down to L.A., taking on the Rams. Rams are the up-and-coming team, sitting at 7-3, and three, 49ers at 4-6. and six. I'm taking the Rams at home to keep it rolling in this one, Drew. Yeah, Rams are – I think Rams very well could you – they're know, going to win that division. And, uh, yeah, San Francisco – this is not, you know, not their year, and which is kind of funny. You know, you look back on the Kaepernick years and this and that. They get there, and then they just, they just fall off. That seems to be the way of San Francisco. So, uh, yeah, Rams in, in a big way. Kevin? Rams, not only in a big way, I think the Rams are, are looking to send a statement north and south to Seattle and Arizona that they are the class of the division. This is a game where if they win handily, they could send a message. Then you got the Chiefs. This is a good one. The Chiefs are on the road at nine and one, taking on the Buccaneers, sitting at seven and four. But Buccaneers coming off of a loss. As much as I like the Chiefs in this game, this is where I'm going to take uh, the somewhat semi upset. Uh, Tom Brady usually doesn't lose twice. Um, I-, I can only imagine what that's like this week down there in Tampa Bay. I'm taking Tampa Bay at home to bounce back and get uh, and hand the Chiefs their second loss of the season. Kevin. Yeah, I, as much as I don't want to be <clears throat> jump on that bandwagon, I am going to jump on that bandwagon. I think uh, winning against the Raiders took a lot out of the Chiefs. That that was a legitimate, difficult win, and uh, and I don't know if they come back 100% from this. And, and again, you mentioned Brady and what he's done in Tampa. I'm going to do it. I'm going with the underdog Buccaneers. Drew? Yeah, I mean, Brady with a loss comes back with a win, but I don't think Brady has ever looked like that. You know what we right. saw, and I think there's a lot of things on tape, and I think Kansas City, um, I think Kansas City wins this game. Seahawks seven and three, Eagles three six and one. I don't even think about it. Taking the Seahawks in this one to go across the country and get the win. Drew, back to you. Yep, Sea Bags with a win. There you go, Kevin. Seattle all the way. And then the last game on the docket is the Sunday night contest, and that is Green Bay hosting uh, the rival Chicago Bears. We've broken it down. We analyzed it. I don't see a lot. It's not that I think they're going to run away with it, but I pick them to kind of run away with it. I'm going to say the Green Bay Packers get the win in this one. I'm going to say 33-17. Packers get a win and a very solid win. They rebound in this one. Kevin, back to you. Think about this. The, the, the Packers' last couple of home games – were the disappointment against Minnesota, and I know it was a win, but it was a disappointment against Jacksonville. I think there's motivation there to show against the division foe that Lambeau is still Lambeau and the Packers are, you know, still own their home turf. So you, I think it's a blowout. I think it's 30 to – because I don't want to go crazy here. It's 30 to 12. How about that? There you go. Drew? 
Yeah, I like 30 to 17. You know, I think it's the, the Packers should should be in cruise control by the fourth quarter. And, you know, maybe the Bears get some garbage time stuff or whatever. But, yeah, uh, should be should be a good win. Guys, pleasure as always, man. Great to talk to you. Have a terrific Thanksgiving with you and your family and kids and friends and everybody else. Uh, and, Kevin, go back and duct tape your fingers back together, all right? I, can, I only counted eight, but it's only because I can only count to eight. That's my Georgia education. Well, there you go. At least you don't have to worry about them being in the pie tomorrow. So there you have it. Uh, Drew Burgoyne and Kevin Holden from CBS 58 joining us tonight. This is the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good to everybody listening to the program. Have a tremendous Thanksgiving. We'll be back again on Friday. And then don't forget the Green and Gold postgame show immediately following Green Bay and Chicago, the rivalry game coming up on Sunday night. Until then, have a good one. Happy Thanksgiving. Station strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.